Hey y'all, this week's blog post is called Black Hair Hurts, a trauma response to H&M. Just a reminder that the information found on this and other blog posts is a matter of researched opinion. Direct your concerns or questions to questions at anodright.com. Direct your comments to the comment section and share on social media using the hashtag anodrightspeaks. Warning, content on the audio blog may be different from the written blog. My thoughts too fast and my mouth too quick. Not sorry. Everyone is having so many feelings about this H&M thing. I am seeing so many people write out these think pleases about how black people just don't love themselves. Or maybe they're admonishing H&M for being so insensitive. On the flip side, I'm also seeing folks say no, black folk have it right. Or that H&M is ushering a new wave and should be praised for showing black girls at play. The thing is, I think it's a both and, it's not an either or. As a sexuality professional who specializes in talking about texturism, we can never forget the history and its long-lasting impact. So let's divide this up. For my black folk, so many folk, whether or not they want to admit it, had an initial visceral reaction to seeing this baby girl or had a whole reaction to other folks' reaction to seeing this baby girl. This beautiful girl with hair that looked to us to be unkempt by Eurocentric standards of beauty had us up in arms and ready to fight. As far as I can tell, whether or not we were ready to fight the folk at H&M for being seemingly disrespectful or ready to fight other black folk for seeming to admonish this girl, it all seemed a trauma response to me. Yeah, I said it. It seemed like a trauma response. It seems some of us either turned into our parents using their words about how we best not embarrass them with our appearance when we leave the house, or we reverted back to that younger self, remembering what it was like to be on the receiving end of harsh criticisms about our appearance. The thing is, though, either way you cut it, that's our shit. That wasn't that model shit. It wasn't her parent or guardian shit. It was ours. The words that were used to describe her and how we felt in our shit. Words describing her as unkempt, nappy, or that awful phrase, someone doesn't love her, for her to look like that in this ad. These were inherited. These words are ones that we've heard at some point in our lives that someone used to describe us. And of course, we're coming from thoughts of what we were doing the night before Easter Sunday the day before picture day, or the night before some special occasion. We are thinking about how we sat down betwixt somebody's knees while they wielded a hot comb or a flat iron to straighten our hair, all the while admonishing it, how thick it was, how it was too much work, so goddamn unmanageable, and a burden because of its naturally nappy and unkempt nature. We remember those days. We remember that you are supposed to look presentable anytime you are leaving the house. What we don't say is the rest of that sentence and what it implies. We have to look presentable whenever we leave the house for white people so that we are not judged harshly in comparison to or by them. So that when they see us, they don't look like we don't look like someone doesn't love us like they already think black folk are incapable of. 
so that we look like we could be in their presence because we try to make them more comfortable by conforming and confirming that we are acceptable or passable, not beautiful, not welcomed, just acceptable and basic. This is why our trauma response came out so strong when we saw that picture. We weren't looking at her picture. We weren't seeing her joy. We weren't even doing the work to try and figure out what was going on in the campaign. No, 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 no. That's not what we were doing. What we were doing was looking at our younger self, feeling the shame we had learned to notice acutely, thinking back on our own shit when people told us that we looked unkempt, that we looked dirty, that we looked unloved. And because many of us haven't done our work, or assumed ourselves to be healed because we went natural, we put all of our trauma, all of our hurts and pains that we have had about our hair on her. We put all of our internalized racism, all of our internalized texturism, all of our internalized colorism on her unfairly. Side note, When we were putting our trauma on her, when some of us were saying some of those really hurtful things based on our unhealed selves, did any of us stop to think that baby girl is of reading and researching age? Did it occur to anyone that she is probably going to see this shit and it's going to be her own people who were attacking and talking shit about her at this level? I digress. Let's get back to it. We forget that in our quest sometimes, seeking a seat at the table of white supremacy, that the only people we hurt when we bum rush for that one seat where our voice is not appreciated is our own. Because now her mom is going to have to pull double duty trying to make sure that she is having a conversation with her kid about what it means for people to react like this. For people to talk like this about her hair, about what messages they have had to receive in their lifetime for this type of reaction. To be so nasty about her while thinking that they're hurting H&M. We've got work to do, y'all. And I know that I said this shit time and time again, but you know, you know what? This is why I wrote Cocoa Butter and Hair Grease. So that we can stop passing on our own internalized hurts to other people. Now, I know I've talked about how we don't need to pass on our stuff to our own kids, but look what we just did. We just freely gave that shit up to someone else's kid. Some of y'all have not even batted an eye because no one is telling you that that's what we did. We got to do better. I mean, I was literally just at the Diversity and Parenting Conference in California And I want to give a shout out to Mercedes Samudia for organizing it because it was so very well done. You know, at this conference, I did a presentation called Edges Snatched and Laid, Why Black Hair Matters for Mental Health, Sexuality, and Parenting. It was about the kinds of conversations that parents can and should be having about hair. Yes, that was the whole freaking workshop. And while that was for one hour, mostly for practitioners in the room, This blow it with H&M shows that we need to do this work. So I will do a webinar for folk. Just be on the lookout. For the folk who just didn't understand the reaction. This is about talking about our pain. And I wanted to make sure that I am acknowledging that the response that we had was a trauma response. Because I think that some of y'all are saying, oh, look at, look at y'all. You're telling on yourself. And the thing is, you are definitely telling on yourself. However, 
Somebody at over at an H&M made a gross error in judgment. And I'm not saying that children shouldn't look like they are having fun. That's not all right. Because the fact is that little black girls have been told about their social value in this society. That their social value is in their ability to emulate whiteness, to be part of the structures of white supremacist beauty standards, and to make sure that they are always striving for that long blonde straight hair on that white girl with those blue eyes who is thin at the top of that pyramid. Little black girls know the social value of their hair and skin by the time they turn six. Now, this little black girl, gorgeous as she is, triggered a lot of people. That picture triggered a lot of people because we've been told all our lives that we can only strive for acceptance. We can never strive for beauty. And, un and none of us have ever been allowed to walk out the house with our hair like that because people would say that we looked unloved that we looked unkempt, and that makes us unstable and dangerous. These things mean that we would be turned away from classes, from jobs, and away from potential partners because we don't look right, because we're not showing the right thing. There's a history of hurt that was completely unacknowledged in doing this type of campaign with a company who has shown themselves to be insensitive and unaware of the black folk they are trying to sell to. So I certainly am not standing with the people who want to praise H&M for the boldness in using a black girl for to make a sale. You have to make sure that you are always coming back to the history in general, and in this case, the black hair history. Ignorance of the past hurts invoked by white supremacy and white companies on black and brown bodies is a show of the highest level of privilege. As such, go ahead and read Hair Story, by Ayana Bird and Lori Tharp. Hair Story is a great rendition of what's been going on in black hair history from 15th century Africa to right here, right now. You can't ignore black pain for black dollars. The point is that there's a history of hair hurts that goes unacknowledged when, the, when there are campaigns like this, especially one done by H&M of all companies or of all people who have a history of problematic ass behavior, especially when it comes to darker skin folk and black folk in general. There must also be consideration that black models and actors have spoken about the fact that there are almost never adequately trained or knowledgeable folk on set to do black hair or makeup. Adding that info in to the fact that H&M has been problematic in the past, and then you get this result that it looked like H&M did that shit on accident. Like they just bumbled and fumbled the ball. It looked like they didn't know what they were doing. Considering that they and other companies had been happy to use the lightest and straightest hair black folks in most of their campaigns, of course folk went up in arm by what looked like an oversight on someone with dark skin so lovely. But then come to find out that they did this shit on purpose. Maybe that made some people feel better. Maybe that placated some feelings, but not mine. And it didn't because to me, it showed a gross lack of understanding of the hair history that would show the type that you would show that type of picture for your financial gain, not to normalize, not to normalize blackness, not for our gain. The point is that hurts are wrapped up in black hair. So many black folk have been told they can't come into certain spaces. They've been told that they don't look cared for. They've been told that if you look like that, you are hurting the community at large. 
because black folk don't get to be individuals. They can never just be one. They are going to be shamed forever as a collective. So yeah, that campaign was a misstep. It was a misstep, especially from a company that hasn't shown that they really are invested in black folk in other way, in any other way than to insult and grab dollars. On the other end, black folk, we have to do better. We have to make sure that our hurts are not at center stage, bleeding on everybody with the traumas that we have on the inside. We have a responsibility for our actions, despite the hurts that we have endured in our lives. And if we are addressing those hurts, we should have been the first to show black kids in all their glory and be praised for doing so. We cannot continue to maintain the house that white supremacy has built and be mad when we are not allowed to sleep inside. We have a very long way to go with making sure that we remove our own internalized texturism. And I definitely invite all of you to start with me. Join the private Facebook group, CBHG Collective on Facebook. We need a space where we can learn and connect the dots between hair, mental health, sexual health, and our healing. Maybe this space can be that. All right, y'all. Remember, comment in the comment section. Let's be kind to each other. And don't come for me, boo-boo. I got facts on facts on facts. Love you.